Welcome to Enemy of the Surveillance State, where we discuss news, tips, and open source tools to help you protect your privacy in an age of mass digital surveillance. I am your host, C. Mitchell Shaw, and this week I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. This is that wonderful time of the year we get to spend more time with friends and family than we do any other time of the year, and I'm going to share with you some ways that you can use that time to help spread the message of privacy and liberty. We're also going to, I'm going to make a special announcement about something going on with the show that I hope you'll be happy about. And uh, we're going to talk about the war on encryption and how we the people are winning that war. Part of that deals with a report from Signal's encrypted text app uh, being broken by an Israeli tech firm and Signal's response to that. So stay tuned for Enemy of the Surveillance State. Again, before we get started, Merry and Christmas. Uh, that song clip that I played at the beginning is one of my very favorite Christmas songs ever across the board. It's Bruce Springsteen's Santa Claus is Coming to Town. I'll put a link in the show notes. If you're not a Springsteen fan, hey, I forgive you, but I am because I, I go way back with Springsteen listening to him when I was a kid. I've just always really enjoyed his music. And every year at Christmas, I just absolutely love it when that song comes on the radio. I thought about that song. I was playing the other day uh, on the radio as we were out somewhere. And I was just thinking, man, I remember when the world was a little more innocent, right? When Santa Claus operated the largest and only worldwide surveillance network, and it was all for innocent purposes. It was a tool that we used to get our kids to clean their rooms and eat their broccoli because he knows if you've been good or bad. He knows if, when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. But this... This is not that. The surveillance state is not that. It makes Santa Claus, first of all, look like an amateur because Santa Claus wasn't reading your texts and emails. He wasn't listening to your phone calls. He wasn't looking over your browsing history and all those things, right? We never told our kids that stuff because that's just creepy. We just told them that he would know if they were sleeping or awake and if they'd been good or bad, right? But the surveillance state does all those things and not for innocent purposes. Of course, they always claim that it's to protect us from the terrorists or to protect children, right? But we've seen time and time again that surveillance hawks are just liars. So we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on with all of this. But before I get into it, I want to share this special thing with you. I have said from the beginning that Enemy of the Surveillance State is written, produced, narrated, and everything else by me, C. Mitchell Shaw, and is listener-supported. No ads, no compromise. That's something I've promised you from the beginning, so that if I recommend a tool or a product, if I recommend a laptop or a text service, you can know 
that I recommend that because I believe in it, not because somebody paid me to say so. That is never going to change. This show is a labor of love. I really enjoy doing it. But even labors of love cost something, and I have had to look for ways to monetize this. That's one of the reasons early on I made the decision to launch a Patreon account, and many of you have jumped on board and have begun to support with that. By the way, on that note, I want to take a moment to thank the most recent patron of the show, Kevin. This show would not be possible without people like you, Kevin, you listeners who appreciate the show enough to go to Patreon and begin supporting the show. And I really appreciate it. God bless you for that. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, For any of you others who haven't done that yet, if you're interested, I'll put a link in the show notes to the Patreon account. Just jump on there, click it. I've got levels at just about anything from $5 on up, or you just feel free to pick a level. If you just want to support at a dollar a month, or you want to throw me a thousand dollars a month for the show, whatever makes you happy, whatever you can do is really appreciated. It does take time, talent, and money to make a show like this. So I hope you'll consider supporting on top of that. As of this episode, I have had to make the decision to include affiliate links for some of the services and tools that I recommend. Now I want to be clear. These are not ads. These are things that I have been recommending for some time now. Some of those recommendations predate the show. For instance, Proton Mail, uh, Proton Mail, Signal, um, the Librem line of products. I've been talking to people about those since before I launched the show back in or, uh, February. So the decision to begin including affiliate links is based on the simple fact that if I can increase the financial support of the show, I can devote more time to producing more and more quality episodes for you. I've heard from many of you that you've taken my recommendations. Some of you have bought Librem laptops, for instance, and people have told me that they would gladly have used an affiliate link if I had made one available. So I'm going to make that option available to you. Here's my promise to you. I will never, never, not one time base a recommendation on whether or not they offer an affiliate program. I will continue to base recommendations on the value of the, or the, of the service or tool that I'm recommending, whether or not they even have an affiliate program, period. If you're interested in any of those recommendations and want to support the show in a small way, use the affiliate link I provide. And if not, just search for that tool or service on your own and go there directly. I will always make it clear if I include an affiliate link because my relationship to you, the listener, is important to me, and I promise you that I will never sacrifice that. The first affiliate uh, program that I've signed up for is with Librem, or Purism, uh, for their Librem 14-inch and 15-inch laptops, their Librem mini desktop, and the Librem 5 phone, any of the other services that they offer. So there'll be a link in the show notes. Check that out. If it's something that meets your needs and you're going to purchase that anyway, then be sure to click that affiliate link if you want to support the show. If not, just go to Purism's website on your own and happy shopping. Um, So I said earlier that this is the most wonderful time of the year. This is the time, again, where you're going to spend more time with friends and family than any other time of the year. COVID be darned. People are just going to spend time with friends and family. Now, some of you are going to be doing that through, uh, you know, video apps and things like that. But most of you are going to be sitting across the table Christmas morning and the day after uh, with family and friends that you don't get to see every day of the year. And I want to give you some ways that you can use that time wisely. Okay. 
Um, show your love to your friends and family by introducing the concepts and principles of privacy. Show them how privacy relates to their individual liberty. Let them know that privacy is never about what you have to hide, but as I've been saying since the very first episode of this podcast, it is always about what you have worth protecting. If you've not heard that episode, go back and listen to it. That is uh, why surveillance matters, even if you have nothing to hide. Now, as you're sharing this with your friends and family, though, as you're sparking these conversations or using opportunities in the conversation to address these issues, there's an important thing you need to remember. There is a difference between eye contact and a piercing maniacal stare. If you come off to your friends and family like you're that crazy tinfoil hat guy, it won't matter if everything you're saying is true. To them, you're just that crazy tinfoil hat guy, right? So if you're grabbing somebody by the lapels and pulling them face to face with you and telling them that they absolutely right this moment have to stop sending unencrypted texts, uh, you probably just sound crazy. So find a way that it works in the conversation. Offer to help them install Signal and add you as a contact. I'll bet many of them will be surprised to see how many contacts they already have that are already using Signal. Help them set up a ProtonMail account and import their contacts over. All of the instructions are right there on ProtonMail's website. You can do it right from there. Promise to help them do more later. Leave them wanting more. Nobody can drink from a fire hose. You can't tell them everything you know about privacy and everything you know about protecting privacy in one conversation or over one Christmas vacation. If they ask you for more now, show them Proton VPN. Help them choose a plan and set it up. If you're familiar with Linux, offer to get together with them later on and help them set their computer free by backing up their data replacing their operating system with Linux and putting their data back in place and be sure to enable the full disk encryption and explain to them how that helps them protect their information, their data. They're going to thank you for it again and again over the coming months and years. So speaking of encryption, since I mentioned full disk encryption, I've had several folks ask me recently about whether signal is safe to use. And if so, how can we be sure, right? So um, this comes back to haunt us very recently because just the other day, Tuesday, December 22, BBC reported that Israeli security firm Celebrite has claimed it can decrypt messages from Signal's highly secure chat and voice call app, boasting that it could disrupt communications from, quote, gang members, drug dealers, and even protesters, end quote. Notice how they trot out these boogeymen, right? Like things you're supposed to be really afraid of, gang members, drug dealers, protesters. They left out pedophiles. I mean, they, they should have mentioned that. Like that's that's top of their list usually, right? And they didn't say terrorists. They they dropped the two big, but uh, the two big ones, but they they made sure to hit the the three that would really hit people where they live right here at the Christmas season. That article is full of the standard uh encryption bad, help protect criminals crap. And it's filled from margin to margin with lies, half-truths, and missed guesses, okay? I'll give you a couple of examples. Here are my favorite parts from that BBC article. Apps like these make parsing data for forensics analysis extremely difficult, writes Celebrite. The firm has a series of products, including the UFED, Universal Forensic Extraction Device, a system that allows authorities to unlock and access the data on suspects' phones. 
Celebrite provided technical explanations of how it found a decryption key that allowed it to access the messages that Signal stores in its database. It then described how it searched Signal's open source code for clues out as how to breach the database. Quote, we finally found what we were looking for, end quote, they write, with a full explanation of how they did it, which has since been deleted. So here's what actually happened, okay? Celebrite made these wild claims about having broken through the encryption in Signal. And then they posted on their blog a great big explanation of how they did it. But it's not what they actually did. So, and I'm not going to debunk that. I'm going to let Signal's Moxie Marlin Spike debunk that. Moxie wrote an article uh, on Signal's website addressing this. And I'll tell you, Moxie Marlin Spike really showed his Moxie in this response because he cranks up the snark machine while keeping everything between the lines and explaining it exactly the way it happened. He explains that what Celebrite did was basically automate the process of taking screenshots from the app once it is open. Okay, so to be frank, Celebrite should be embarrassed, and it looks like they are. I'll cover that in a second. Here's what he wrote. He wrote, this is a situation where someone is holding your unlocked phone in their hands. It can simply open the app and look at the messages in it. Their post was about doing the same thing programmatically, which is equally simple, but they wrote an entire article about the, quote, challenges, end quote, they overcame and concluded that, quote, it required extensive research on many different fronts to create new capabilities from scratch, end quote. Then Moxie goes on to explain that it was nothing of the type. He said, it is hard to know how a post like this even got out the door or why anyone thought revealing such limited abilities was in their interest. Based on the initial reception, Celebrite must have realized that Amateur Hour was not a good look and the post was quickly taken down. They must have then realized that a 404 error isn't any better and replaced that again with a vague summary. So here's what happened. Celebrite puts up this big post and they're explaining how they did everything. And anyone who reads this that understands the principles behind it, which apparently does not include the BBC or they'd have never run this article, would look at this and go, oh, hey, wait, all they did was basically automate the process of taking screenshots of the app once it's already unlocked by the user because the phone's unlocked by the user. So no, they didn't break the encryption. They didn't break into Signal. Uh, so then they published this whole thing showing how they did this, which is a big nothing burger, to use an expression from a couple of years ago. And then they got embarrassed by it. So they quickly took it down. So if you went to the website, it would just say, you know, this, this page is not available. Well, that was embarrassing. So they put it back up without the explanation. So now the article as it exists, and I'll, I'll put links for both versions of the article in the show notes. So you can check those out. Uh, the article as it exists now is all claims with no evidence. They just say they did it and they trust you to believe them. So no, Signal is not broken and left wide open. It is, it is as secure as it ever was. And what this shows is that Celebrite is full of bovine excrement. Now, I love the way Moxie Marlin Spike addressed this. Here's one thing he actually says, and I love this. 
He says, uh, first, they give three points, three really important points. First, one, if you have your device, Celebrite is not your concern. In other words, they have to actually physically be holding your unlocked device in their hand for this to work, okay? He says that they do not even try to intercept messages, voice, video, or live communications, much less, quote, break the encryption, end quote, of that communication. They don't do live surveillance of any kind. Number two, Celebrite is not magic. Now, the reason this matters is because... You know, we've all kind of come up on the the era of, uh, you know, the Bourne movies and 007 movies and stuff where people have these amazing magic-like hacking abilities that don't exist in the real world, where a hacker can, uh, you know, take a 14-year-old Blackberry and attach a, a, a rabbit ear antenna to it and hack into a computer in a building clear across town using nothing but Bluetooth and it's all nonsense. There is no magic. Technology is exactly that. It's technology, and it follows certain rules and principles, and there's no way around those things. So Celebrite is not magic. He writes, imagine that someone is physically holding your device with the screen unlocked in their hands. If they wanted to create a record of what's on your device right then, they could simply open each app on your device and take screenshots of what's there. That is what Celebrite's physical analyzer does. It automates the process of creating that record. So there's nothing magic going on here. And then finally, three, Celebrite did not, quote, accidentally reveal, end quote, their secrets. This goes back to them removing that that post because what BBC reports is that they accidentally revealed their secrets and then had to take them down. I love this. Moxie writes, they took it down for the exact opposite reason. It made them look bad. Articles about this post would have been more appropriately titled, Celebrite accidentally reveals that their technical abilities are as bankrupt as their function in the world. Okay, so no. Uh, signal is not broken and left wide open. It's fine. It's up and running just like it was. And this whole thing stinks of a major FUD campaign. FUD, you know, F-U-D. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. It, it stinks of a FUD campaign designed by surveillance hawks and their mainstream media accomplices to scare people away from a service they hate because it works and does what it says it does. It protects your privacy. Now, that is as simple as it gets. It is not a shock to the listeners of this program that surveillance hawks are liars. A prime example of this is a few years ago, when uh, James Clapper, who was the director of national intelligence at the time, uh, famously lied in sworn testimony before the U.S. Senate when he was asked the question by Senator Wyden, does the NSA collect data on millions or hundreds of millions of Americans? And Clapper answered live, on camera, on microphone, and under oath, no. And then later, when it came out because of Snowden's revelations that he had lied and that the NSA does exactly do what he said they exactly do not do, he simply covered it up by saying that he was asked a trick question. It was one of those questions like, uh, have you stopped beating your wife? Uh, and then if you answer yes, then you've stopped beating your wife. And if you answer no, well, it means you're still beating your wife. So he, he said, so I gave the least dishonest answer possible. Not the honest answer just the least 
dishonest answer possible because they are liars and they would rather scare us away from using a service that they know works and they can't break than to have us use a service that they know works and they can't break. But this does lead to another point. A friend and listener of mine named Julia, I've known Julia for years. She's been listening to the program since I launched it, but but my, my family and I have known Julia going way back to when we lived in Texas uh, many years ago. And she shot me a text recently to ask the question, do you have any update on whether encryption has been undermined by congressional decisions? And am I just wasting my money and time with ProtonMail? Now, that's a good question, because if uh, Congress ever does finally force through some kind of anti-encryption law, or if they've already sort of secretly somehow done that, or or their decisions have just pressured uh, tech companies and organizations into providing backdoors, then in the end... Uh, it is far worse to think you're safe and not be safe. In other words, to be using what you believe is an application or a service that is protecting your privacy when it is not, than to know that you are not safe. Because you will say or do things that you think are private that you would never say or do if you knew they weren't private. So her question is a good question. I promised her an answer, and here it is. Julia and the rest of you listening in, I don't doubt the power of encryption, and I don't doubt the power of encryption for a couple of reasons. Number one, you wouldn't have companies like Celebrite and organizations like the BBC lying about breaking encryption if encryption were already really in danger or if encryption were um, already compromised. Okay, so that's the first reason. The second reason is most of the services that I recommend, most of the programs and applications that I recommend are open source, meaning that their source code is readily available for anyone to audit and see that it does exactly what they say it does and nothing else. Because a nerd with tape on his glasses would look at the source code and go, hey, that line right there, that line has nothing to do with actually sending a text, but it has everything to do with allowing someone to walk in the back door and read all your texts or emails, or browsing history, or fill in the blank, okay? And then on top of that, we've got something called warrant canaries. Now, I've addressed this a couple of times before, but I want to address it again. Way back in the day, guys are going deep down in these mines, uh, whether they're mining for coal, or iron ore, or silver, or diamonds, or whatever, and they're a mile beneath the Earth's surface where gases can build up that if you breathe them, you could get sick or die. So they would take a canary, they'd put it in a cage, they'd take it down in the mine with them. Canary's just singing his head off down there. He doesn't mind what's going on. But if the canary stops singing and the miners look over and see him laying dead in his cage, they know to pack up their materials and get the heck out of the mine because there's something in that mine that the canary breathed that killed him. And if you stay down there long enough, you're going to get sick or die. So it's an early warning indicator. A, a canary, a mine canary was an early warning indicator. How that applies in technology is that companies like ProtonMail put up on their website a warrant canary because the FISA courts have ruled that they can demand a tech company to turn over records on an individual user or all users, and they can command that company or organization never to tell anyone that they've done that, that they've asked for that information. 
Okay. So it is against the law and you will go to jail for something akin to the rest of your life. If you run a big tech company or a small tech company and the NSA or FISA reaches out to you and says, provide this information. And then you say, Hey, well, by the way, everybody, I've been asked to provide this information. So I have to provide it. You just go away. That's all. But the courts have ruled that saying that you have never been served such a warrant or made such a request is fine. So a company like ProtonMail does this. They put up a page on their website that says, as of this date, July 1st, 2020, we have not been issued any subpoenas or warrants from any FISA courts or any other courts to provide information about our users. Our next warrant canary will be on December 1st. So December 1st comes around and you pop onto their website and there it is, December 1st, 2020. The warrant canary says exactly the same thing the last one said. By the way, our next one will be on March 1st. March 1st, 2021 comes along and you log onto their website and there's not a warrant canary. They didn't just tell you that everything's okay. And by inference, they just told you everything is not okay and you don't need to use this service anymore. So warrant canaries are a very strong way to know that everything is okay. Besides that, technology isn't static. It's not standing still, right? Technology is constantly evolving. I, I'm a child of the 80s, and I remember coming up, you know, I knew I, we had friends that had, you know, cable television like we did, and they got the cable box on top of their TV. And say they don't subscribe to, uh, oh, this is way back in the day. Say you didn't subscribe to MTV because back then, for all you youngsters, you had to subscribe to it. And they actually played music on music television, just to give you a, an idea of how old I am. Or you didn't subscribe to HBO or Showtime or, or, or any of the other premium channels. It doesn't matter which one. But you could take four screws out of the bottom of that cable box and open it up and there were little screws in there for each of those channels and you just find the one you're looking for and turn it while you're tuned into that channel and all the static on your screen would start to come together and it would form a picture and then you'd have sound because you just tuned in that channel that all they had done was tuned out right so the cable companies figured out that people had figured that out and they changed their cable boxes to something more digital so that there wasn't a screw in there that you could turn. And then somebody came up with a black box that you could plug your cable box into and then plug that black box into your television, and it would unscramble those premium channels, and you'd have all the premium channels again. So then somebody came along with something else, and somebody came along with something else. And it's this constant battle. A more modern uh, version of that is that I use an application on my phone. I, don't, I will not use any Google things on my phone at all. Uh, though I do have a YouTube account, I keep that on my computer. I use that to post uh, these podcasts in video form. Well, it's a static picture for those who don't listen to me on YouTube, but it's available to listen to on YouTube. It's just one of the ways I was able to sort of broaden the market. I use my YouTube channel for that, but I don't have a YouTube account that is associated with my phone. Instead, when I want to watch a YouTube video on my phone, I use an application called New Pipe. And basically what New Pipe does is it acts as a sort of an intermediary in between me and YouTube. They have a YouTube account. They grab that content. They serve it to me. I can search videos. I can watch whatever I want to watch. I can't like videos and it show up on, on you uh, as, a, as a YouTube creator. You won't see that I've liked your video. You won't see that I've subscribed to your channel because I don't have a relationship with Google in that regard. Now, I mentioned that to say 
that what happens is every so often I'll go to open a, a video and it'll say, oops, that shouldn't have happened. And I know right then what has happened is that Google has changed something in the recipe to break services like Newpipe from being able to access their materials, their content. But I also know that within a day or two, I'm going to get an update to Newpipe and I'll be back up and running like it never happened. So what I'm saying is that tech companies are able to shift what they're doing to meet threats. And companies like ProtonMail, companies like Signal, companies like fill in the blank, they see this stuff coming and they know. So even if Moxie Marlin Spike had never addressed this issue, here's what I would know. Even if Celebrite had actually broken Signal's encryption, which they didn't, it's it, they're not going to, okay? But even if they had, here's what I would know. Whatever they did that worked yesterday does not necessarily work today because Signal folks would have been all over this patching whatever vulnerability they used to get through to this. Celebrite used some vulnerability to break in to Signal and then Signal would fix that vulnerability and we'd be back up right where we started. Here's the thing, folks. We are winning the war on encryption. Companies like Purism and Proton and organizations like Tor and Signal are fighting the good fight, and they are populated by people who understand the technology behind protecting and attacking data. Because if you want to know how to protect something, you need to know how to attack it so that you can protect against that type of attack, okay? So because they are doing that, if we will just continue using the services that we're using, if we will just continue promoting those to friends and family. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Friends don't let friends get spied on. Tell your friends and family how they can protect their privacy. Help them do that. Turn them on to this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Follow me on Twitter. Do what you can to help spread the word and get this message out there. Because as we do that and continue to put pressure on elected officials to stop threatening encryption and stop threatening the tools that we use to remain private in our communications and in our data at rest, those things that live on our computers, pictures, videos, what have you, if we will continue to pressure them not to do this, every politician's first job is to walk around with his finger in the air to see which direction the wind is blowing, right? We need to create a prevailing wind toward privacy so that the average politician knows that job number one is to leave privacy alone or I don't have my job anymore because these people will go out in droves and vote me out of office. We are winning this war, folks. Use this Christmas to spread the message of cheer and goodwill to your friends and family, but make sure that part of that message of cheer and goodwill is how they can protect their privacy. Keep it positive, keep it light, but share the message with them. God bless you again. Merry Christmas, and I'll see you next time on Enemy of the Surveillance State.